Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Job. We're going to start a new series today that is my favorite series of all the series that we do. We've been doing this series for years, and it's called My Story, My Story. Now, it's my favorite uh, for several reasons. We get to hear during this series from people that you sit by on a regular basis. So I'm going to do very little preaching. That's not why it's my favorite, but I am going to do very little preaching over the next few weeks, and we're going to actually hear uh, testimony uh, of people whose life was changed. And so we want to start, though, in the book of Job, Job chapter 19. Now, if you go to the book of Psalms and you just take a left, right, you just take a left from the book of Psalms, you'll find the book of Job. Now, the book of Job is the first book in the Bible written, not the first book, you know, placed in the Bible. It doesn't come first. Genesis, of course, does. But Moses wrote Job, and he wrote it before he wrote any other book of the Bible. So chronologically, Job is the first book written, and it tells the story of a guy named Job. I just wonder if y'all are going to get that, all right? So it tells the story of a guy named Job. And chapter 19, which is almost in the middle, there's 42 chapters, and almost in the middle, in chapter 19, Job says something that is so incredible. So let's look at what Job says, and here's what he says in verse 23. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. Why? Watch this. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. I love this portion of scripture. Job is going through a trial and in the middle of the trial, before things turn around, before God restores to him all that he loses, before he sees the redemption of his life, of his family, of his finances, before any of that happens, Job says, I want someone to write my story. My story. It's my story. Job says, I want someone to write my story. He says, in fact, if if this could happen, if it could be put in a book, if it could be engraved in rock, written with a lead pen. How many of you know God put Job's story in a book that is better than any rock? It's better than any tablet. It is the word of God. In fact, the Bible says this, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but his word will stand forever. Amen. So it is in something more solid than than any tablet, than any stone. It is in the word of God. God put Job's story he, he listened to Job's prayer, and he answered his prayer and said, Job, I'm going to put your story in a book that is going to be read throughout eternity. It is the word of God, and here it is. It's the story of Job on how Job's life was redeemed. And he said, I want, my, I want my story to be told because in the midst of all that I'm going through, with all the chaos and all the problems, I know this. My Redeemer's alive. My Redeemer is alive. Watch this. Not that, not that I have just redemption. 
Not that, not that it's, it's just going to turn out okay for me. It's not just so that, yeah, things are going to get better, right? Or, 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 or the best is still yet to come. I believe all of that. It's not just that things are going to get better or that I'm going to have redemption. It's that I have a redeemer. Hallelujah. I actually have a person who's going to redeem my life. Job said, my redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives, and I'm going to see my redemption with my own eyes. Hallelujah. And so Job said that somebody, that somebody would write my story. And I love this because I want you to know, regardless of your past, regardless of what life has looked like for you, you might be here and you might say, Pastor, I feel like Job. I feel like I'm in the middle of chaos. I'm in the middle of a trial. I'm in the middle of the wilderness. You still have a story that needs to be told. You do. I tell people all the time. I have people come up to me and they start to tell me some things. I said, hey, you need to write that down. You need to write down your story. You wouldn't realize maybe that you're sitting next to a walking, breathing miracle, that you're sitting next to somebody or that somebody's in this room, somebody's on your row, somebody's in your section, somebody's very close to you, that they shouldn't even be alive. They shouldn't even be here. God spared their life. You wouldn't know it by just looking at them dressed in their Sunday almost best. Come on now. You wouldn't know it. But I'm here to tell you that each one of you has a story. When I was pastoring in North Florida, I invited a guy. I I read a book that I just thought was so incredible. I got a hold of the guy. I invited him to preach for me. And he shows up. And he was a clean cut looking guy. I'm talking about this guy. He's about 50 years old. Looked just like Chuck Woolery from the dating game. Now that's going to date a few of you, right? Chuck looked just like him. And he shows up and he's going to preach for me. And he's got a jacket on. And he had a button that was probably three or four inches wide. And it said, ask me. That's it. Just, it just had a big button. said, ask me. And so, you know, I see him, and I got to go, come on now. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? I just did a, ask you what? He said, I knew you were going to say that. And he reached into his jacket, and he pulls out a pamphlet. And it, he hands it to me, and he said, this is my life story of how God changed my life. And I said, wow. He said, you wouldn't realize. Everywhere I go, people come up to me. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at a department store. I'm just walking through the mall. And everybody comes up to me, and they just can't resist. They just go, ask you what? And he said, and I pass out literally hundreds of these a week just telling people my story. Now, I don't know if you want to wear a big button everywhere you go. That might not match. It might clash with your purse and your shoes, ladies. But I I want you to know this. You need to tell your story. Whether you wear a big button or not, you need to be ready to tell your story. God intended, he intended that our lives... And, and our words and, and, and our actions line up with the story 
that needs to be told from heaven above. Watch this. In fact, it says this in Psalms 145. King David said this, your awe-inspiring details, deeds, I should say, will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. David said this, everyone would and should and could tell your story. It is your story. And you need to know this. This was God's intent. And, and we don't have sermon notes this week, and we won't have them because uh, I'm going to preach very short, and we're going to go into a different, different way of kind of sharing the messages over this series. So we'll get back to our sermon notes in a few weeks. But I do want to give you one point, and the one point is this. You need to know that you have a story to tell. You need to say to yourself, I have a story to tell. That's the first thing you need to know. I have a story to tell. I have one. I have a great story, huh? It's a great story. Sometimes I think about that when I come home and talk to my wife. I said, honey, I got a story for you. Oh, I got a story. I've been saving it up all day. I've been waiting till I get home. Too much to tell. You ever, you ever call somebody and say, it's too much to text? I can't text it. It's too much. It's too good. You want to see the reaction on their face. Oh, I've been saving this one. And you need to know this, you have a story to tell. It may not be as exciting as, as what you think it is or, or what somebody else's is, is or, or one that you've heard in times past. I don't have the world's, you know, what might be darkest side or, or, or I didn't crawl out of the depths of a pit, but I want you to know that I was lost and Jesus saved me and I have a story to tell and you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. And it's not just that you have a story to tell, right? Watch this. It's that God is telling his story through your life. That your very actions tell a story. Watch what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He said this, your lives are letters written in our hearts. Everyone could read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Paul said this, your life is a living letter and you're being read somebody's reading your life when you show up on Monday morning when you go back to your house to your unsaved loved one you need to know this your life is a letter they're reading you and the spirit of God is starting a new chapter in your life he's just he's turning the page and going okay this is a new season, new chapter, and he's just, he's got his pen out, and, and the Holy Spirit is just writing, and he's writing every day your story. You need to know that. Paul said this, he said this, I don't need a letter written on paper, I just show people your life, your testimony, because you are my letter. People are reading you, and when they read your life, they're going to see the goodness of God. Amen. They're just going to see it. They're going to see God's grace, God's mercy. They're going to see a story of redemption. Man, when I look at the book of Job, I don't see loss. I see God restoring. I see restore, God restoring what the devil took away. 
It's not a, it's not a sad story. It's not a tragedy. It has a, has a great ending. And so you need to know this. Okay, I've had some loss. and I've, I've had some bumps. And I've had some bruises along the way. We all have. But every great story has a plot twist. That's what I believe. I love a movie with a plot twist. I love a movie where I don't know anything going into it. Don't tell me nothing about it. I don't even want to know nothing. I don't want to read nothing. I just want to go in and I just want to discover it for myself. What's the plot twist, huh? Every great story has a plot twist. It's the moment that you find out that Darth Vader is really Luke Skywalker's father. Woo, that'll blow an eight-year-old's mind away. Because I was in the theater when I saw it. I'm like, oh my goodness. Never the same. Never the same. It's the moment that you find out that, that the astronaut didn't land on a different planet that was inhabited by apes. He literally circled and landed on the same planet. And it's, it's just a planet Earth. The apes took over. Right? It's a plot twist where your mind is blown. It's the, it's the turning. It's all of a sudden everything changes now. And do you know that, that our Earth actually has a, a plot twist? It's called before Christ and and after Christ. In fact, our dates on calendars reflect this plot twist. It is before Jesus showed up and then after Jesus showed up. Why? Because at that moment, everything changed. Hallelujah. Everything changed. That is the turning of the page. That's when the story gets really good. Hallelujah. Oh, it was good before, but this, watch this. This is when it gets really good. Jesus showed up. And the same is true with your life, right? When Jesus showed up in my life, everything changed. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect and and I've got more stories and more chapters, right? But I know this, when Jesus showed up, everything in my life changed. Over the next few weeks, we want to share with you stories of people whose lives have changed. Lives have changed. And you may see some, some people that you can really identify with because not everybody that walked into this place had the most incredible past where they, they, they were filled with drugs and alcohol or their life was falling apart, but some have. Some like me, I grew up in church, but I, I still recognize how lost I was. And so along the way, you may identify with people because that was me. I went through the same thing. I went through the same mess. Marriages put back together. Freedom from addictions. Depression and bondage broken off of people's lives. So I've asked somebody to share today. And before they share, and we're going to do this every week, I want to show a video of of what their life was kind of like before, just them giving a testimony. So this week I've asked Charlie Shapiro to to share, but before he comes, let's check out this video of Charlie sharing his life before Christ. Would you you play that video this morning? seen me, but very few people know my story. 
My life has pretty much been a dramatic tale with hurt, depression, loss, and trying to find an answer myself that I could never find. When I was five years old, um, my father died of a heart attack right in front of me and left me with so many questions and growing up in Judaism, I, I, I wanted to know and seeing death firsthand and I was always told, well, I, I think there's a heaven or um, I think this happens or that happens, but there was nothing definitive. And, you know, or if you do so many good mitzvahs, good deeds, you go to heaven, well, you know, how many is that, you know? And, and I just live this childhood just, just constantly fearing death and to a point where I didn't even want to be alive. I was like, I, I was so scared that I would die like my dad that I was scared to even be alive and didn't want to be. And this whole childhood, this, this depression, this hurt, just ripped something on the inside of me and created this big empty void. And I spent the majority of my life trying to fill it. I turned to food and, you know, would go through a drive through twice a day, just pointlessly eating food, thinking it's comfort food to make me feel better, and I always felt sick afterwards. And one time, I gained so much weight trying to get on Biggest Loser, who loved me and taped me and my mom, that I actually went blind and went into a diabetic coma and was hospitalized and almost killed myself, you know. And, but all this eating, everything, never filled that void, never made me feel any better inside. Then I tried to fill it with drugs. I was a club DJ for over five years and, you know, I made a lot of money, but I would just drink and do drugs and, you know, that was, that was like my false reality, but every time I came down, I felt even worse than I did going in. N never felt better. Um, to a point where I actually OD'd once and went outside for help and ended up passing out on Royal Palm Beach Boulevard coming within inches of getting my head ran over by a car. And they had to give me charcoal and pump my stomach and bake rack me and put me in rehab. And once again, I was still just as empty as before. Then was women, you know, I was, living a very immoral life and women were more of an object of affection for me or, or some fake sense of companionship that wasn't real and, and I, I went to places and did stuff that was completely unhealthy and, and wrong and disgusting and you know I, I thought I was satisfying something but but every time I just felt worse and worse and that emptiness grew and grew inside of me. And I met this girl, Laura, that I lived with for a couple years and, you know, I was, I didn't even know what love was, but, you know, I, I love the fact of having another person with me to call my own, so I put money together, got an engagement ring and was going to propose to her. Well, right when I did, she just broke down in front of me and said, you know, I've been seeing another guy at my work for a couple months now and it's over.
I remember in that moment that I had nothing. I was completely void. I, I might have felt empty before, but now all I felt was emptiness. It was like my entire world was just gone. My, my heart was just obliterated and and I was in the darkest place in my life. I, I didn't want to live anymore and, and I was ready to go out and take my own life. Charlie and Jessica Shapiro have been coming here for years. Would you welcome Charlie as he comes to share his testimony today? Come on, Charlie. That was basically the worst time of my life. I mean, here I am, somebody that is dealing with depression and everything else and, you know, ready to start a life and have it completely ripped away from me. I had lived in a little townhouse and in that moment, not only was I empty, but my whole house was, you know, seeing all of her stuff moved out and being there by myself. And I remember I just went outside on my patio, fell face first in the dirt and I couldn't take it. I was in so much pain, so much hurt that I didn't want to live, crying my eyes out, snot everywhere. And I knew nothing, but I looked up at the sky and, and I yelled and I pleaded and I said, God, how can you let me live just to make me feel so much death? How can you give me a heart just to rip it out and make me feel like this? I can't deal with it. I can't handle this hurt. So I said, God, you need to come to me right now or I'm taking my life away because I can't live. And it's sad to see that place of weakness, but I meant it. And I remember just in this place and crying my eyes out and looking up into the sky and I saw this cloud. And the cloud began to shape and made the face of Jesus and came closer and closer to me and smiled. I didn't know who he was or anything, but instantly my whole body began to, to shake and grow warm and all my tears began to burn and then I just started laughing incontrollably. And that was the first time in my life that I felt the presence of God, that I felt him, that, that like the Bible says through David so many times that in my distress I cried out and he heard me and he delivered me and he set my feet on a rock. That was, that was the beginning of my story, the real story. But it wasn't the end. You see, I, after that, in dealing with a lot of stuff, I, I came to Trinity West and, and I met Pastor Brian and Cynthia and Mark Kushel and Ann and, and so many people that, that saw more of me than I ever did in myself. And I, I began to grow and I began to bury myself in the Bible. And I was able to to lead ministries that I've never done anything before and, and the greeting ministry and young adults and men's and, and teach and everything. And I, I found this new part of my life that was awakened that, that I always had but never went into. But when, when you're in the right place, when you're truly functioning as a part of the body, you begin birthing that in you and that, that anointing comes out. And I knew I had to do something. So through the young adults, there was a mission trip to New York. I've never done anything like it, but I knew I needed to go. I was terrified of flying, had no money. 
um, out of the three churches, Trinity, our church, and one in Clouston, uh, other than the leaders, which were Steve and Robin, only one person went from this church, and that was me. And I sold my, all my DJ equipment. Thankfully, the church bought it. And I got a plane ticket and went there. And so much happened, but two things in particular. There was this one guy named Travis. Travis is the most introverted person I've ever met in my life. You know, he always kept off to his own, always so scared. He, would, he never speaks more than shy, just completely locked in himself, never do anything. And one night, he, we were funked together. There was four of us in one little room, and he was in such a dark place, and he kept saying, I'm battling, I'm battling, I don't know what to do. And I remember just grabbing him by the shoulders, and I'm like, you know God loves you. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, God loves you. I'm battling with my flesh. It's winning. I, I can't do this. And I just said, God loves you. And we went back and forth like 10 times. And every time he tried to gripe and complain, I just told him, God loves you. And finally, he just started bawling, crying, and fell in my arms. And then the next several days, the whole week, anytime there was an assignment, there was always one early assignment, like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., no one would raise hands or want to do it. They'd want to sleep in late. Other than Travis, he was the first one to raise his hand every day, the last person to do stuff, first person to clean everything. And the last day, we all got together and given out some fun awards. It was unanimous. Every single person there said the MVP was Travis. And we asked him, we said, we all noticed it, and we said, how did this transformation happen? How'd you go from that to the person you are now? And we were, we were amazed. And he said, you know, every night before I went to bed, I'd pray to God that he would make me more like Charlie. And it just completely did something to my heart and made me realize that here I am, a guy that was an adulterer, a, a druggie, a glutton. Every, every one of those things that you could label somebody was me. But he didn't see that in me. He saw me as the person that Christ made me into, not the person I made myself into. And now, my whole life I did so many wrongs. I've hurt so many friends. I've burnt up relationships. I've hurt pretty much every one of my family members at one point in time. And I always say, God, if you can just use me to help lead one person at least to Christ, I'll feel that my life had purpose. That, that I've done something. In New York, the last day, we're doing a big street fair, and, you know, everyone's doing a drama or with the kids, painting faces, doing all this fun stuff. And the pastor at the church goes to me and said, Charlie, can you go out there on the sidewalk and pray for people? This is in the, in the Bronx, midsummer, burning hot. I'm tired. I didn't want to do it. I was going to complain, but reluctantly I went out there. Then I see a guy like this, completely crippled, walking towards me. And I just said to him, I said, do you need prayer? And the guy almost took it as offense. He said, prayer, you have no idea what I'm going through. I'm in a house being evicted right now. I have nowhere to live. He told me about like 10 different things going wrong in his body, his liver, everything needing surgery. He told me he's a drug dealer. He doesn't deserve anything. He, um, he's hooked on half the drugs he sells. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just took over, and I said, look, your whole life you've been on one path. 
you know what that path looks like, and I'm telling you, it's only going to lead to more death. It's only going to lead to more pain. But right now, you can change to a new path that'll lead to healing, that'll lead to life. And I grabbed Pastor Andy at the time, and Pastor Ron Jones was there too, and to lead him in the prayer of salvation. And it was the protocol to grab a pastor at the time, but the guy literally grabbed me by, by the collar, one inch from his face, and to this day, I'll never forget the exact words he said. He said, he looked me right in the eyes and he said, no, you're the one that's going to stand before the Father and win my soul for Jesus. And I just laid on to this guy, prayed for him, fell into my arms, walked away healed. You know, Pastor Ron even said there was a force field of his presence around us. And it didn't even stop there. It seems like all the desires that have been in my heart, God has met them because he's true to his word. I, my, my verse was, he gives you the desires of his heart. He gave me a wife, the most amazing wife. He, he gave me the most beautiful son. And not only that, like in the video you heard today, you want to hear something crazy but remarkable because there's no coincidences in God. This morning I look on Facebook and it shows you on this day, Five years ago on this day, I went to a doctor and two different doctors after three years of not taking my metformin and insulin like I'm supposed to, and they expected my blood sugar to be over 300. All my blood sugar levels, normal. My A1C, normal. And they had to confirm. Multiple doctors said I'm diabetes-free to this day. God is absolutely amazing. So I'm telling you right now that that if you're out there and you have that emptiness in you, everything you need to fill that, you don't have to find it on your own because it's inside of you once you're in Christ. You can go from mourning to dancing. You can go from a place of fear to a place of faith. You can go from a place of sadness to a place of joy. You can go from a place of hurt to a place of love, a place of death where I was to a place of life. And to show you, last week as we celebrated Easter and the resurrection of Christ, you know what? Jesus Christ left the tomb empty so that none of us ever have to be empty again. Thank you. Amen. Great job, Charlie. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, man. Amen. Great job, Charlie. Amen. Amen. I, I knew I, I knew he'd start preaching. I just knew it. And so we just, you could be seated. Awesome job. See, this is what it's all about. It's not about us just, just getting to tell some, some feel-good stories, right? It's not about us just saying, well, you know what? I, I, I used to be this way, and now I'm this way, and, and we're just saying it for our own benefit. God gives us our story for a purpose. 